So in terms of all these uh, focus areas that you've just highlighted, Christina, um, uh, misappropriation of resources counts for 43% of uh, corruption reports received from whistleblowers. These involve cases of theft. Um, this also involves embezzlement of, um, of funds, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. While um, maladministration, which relates to mismanagement as well as wasteful and fruitless um, expenditure, that comes in at 17%, and abuse of authority, which relates to the victimization or violent treatment of whistleblowers, that comes in at 14%. So, abuse of authority uh, ranking highest. So, who's responsible here? Principal, school governing body members? Uh, who's implicated? Except that you even know who's already implicated. <laughs> it shows the state of um, the affairs that we find ourselves in as a society. Yes, it's principals um, who are primarily involved, and in um, some cases, they're in cahoots with school governing body members, or they take advantage of school governing body members. When you look at Kivet colleges, its administrators, and the times working um, alongside municipal officials, and, um, and, co- and companies are involved in consultations because they usually um, uh, they roll out the programs for government. Very interesting uh, because, you know, you look at uh, school governing bodies and uh, the people who are elected to serve on these bodies and uh, they are meant to look after the interests of the parents and the community at large uh, within that schooling community. And uh, it's just interesting to uh, maybe find out. I'm sure, uh, well, I'm not sure whether you've basically looked that far, Malusi, but maybe something to do in the future as to whether there are repercussions where some of these officials are found to be implicated? Um, good question, Sakina. And, you know, in about 2015, um, we released a report called Loss of Principle, um, speaking to about uh, several investigations that we've done. And at the time, we had word from government saying that they're definitely going to take on these issues. But how government deals with issues of corruption is very, um, it's quite telling in terms of their attitude because they seem to be paying lip service. Um, for example, they've got a system where they will take people that are accused of corruption. Um, you find that their principal is under suspension. Um, instead of that person serving out the suspension from home, um, they get placed into another school. So, how can you do that when the person is being accused of such egregious um, forms of corruption? Mm. Um, same goes for officials um, in TVET colleges and seekers. You know, um, we have in situations there where people with criminal records are sometimes employed into influential positions, and then they go on to commit acts of nepotism. So it tells you that in terms of um, accountability, consequence management, um, little is actually being done by government. And and I must say, Malusi, I'm particularly interested to, you know, uh, perhaps, you know, uh, dig deeper into what happens here at school level, especially uh, primary and high schools, and uh, with the involvement of uh, the school governing bodies. Because just this week, on Monday, uh, we did a broadcast from uh, Ristafal uh, in Vereniging, and one of the issues that I picked up on just by the by was that the school governing body's former treasurer was refusing to do a handover to the newly elected structure. 
And yeah. so, you know, this bedeviled, of course, all sorts of things because the school was unable to pay for certain services and all sorts of things. Right. And the question I asked was, but how is that even possible? How is that even allowed that one school governing body whose uh, term has come to an end refuses to hand over to the next. But these are the sort of things that are clearly taking place. Um, but, Melissa, coming back to the report, uh, the picture changes slightly when it comes to CETAs, where it seems like procurement irregularities top the scale there. Yes, that's about almost a third of the reports that relate to procurement irregularities. Um, what we have in that respect is that um, service providers are, are asked to pay kickbacks, um, anything between 10, 15% to, uh, to receiving tenders um, within these institutions, but um, they don't provide the services that they claim they will, or sometimes those services are substandard. Um, what we also find is that officials have links to these companies in, in other instances. So in other words, that the relatives or friends. Um, who are sitting uh, at board level or, or who are signatories to these companies. Um, but also what's quite concerning about um, the, the CETA uh, issue is that you, we, you have instances where people are asked to pay bribes if they want to be enrolled for a particular ownership or, or program within CETA. So we have the poorest of the poor who go to these institutions looking for opportunities, maybe they're looking for employment one day, but yet again, and the people that are supposed to care for them are saying, no, you need to pay a bribe if you want to enroll for a program. And Melissa, you've been tracking, uh, you know, these events uh, through your reports uh, since 2012 as Corruption Watch. And just to your knowledge, how much accountability has there been since you've been tracking this? Uh, have any of the perpetrators been held to account to the point where they've been convicted of anything? Um, we, we've had to actually, um, in some instances, fight vehemently um, for issues to be um, dealt with properly and responsibly. Um, as I've mentioned, you know, uh, rotational issues um, seems to be the way in which governments see fit to deal with um, perpetrators of corruption. Um, there's no actual list that we could find publicly of people, maybe a registrar, um, a public list of actually indicating how many people are implicated. So accountability, you know, comes in different forms, and we're not seeing that actually translating. But it's isn't this like the type of story that we've come to know about the education sector in South Africa, where other institutions, for example, chapter nine institutions, who have gone to communities, or I'm thinking of the Northwest now, where there's been a blatant disregard for processes, people don't have resources, schools, some kids are still but, um, using public teams and don't have proper buildings, but yet when even those when those reports are um, are issued. Government has not been um, responsible and said that they'll um, bring about change or effect change in any way, apart from just saying it in media interviews. Well, Malusi, thanks so much for sharing uh, that with us. Corruption Watch senior researcher and author of the report, um, Malusi Ngala, looking at uh, what's happening in the education sector and corruption there.